Hi there, I am Sarah Jane Case, and I am the host of your new favorite show, Enneagram and Coffee. This podcast is dedicated to discussing the beautiful and hard parts of being human. We use the tool, the Enneagram, a personality map that has taken over the world for increased self-compassion, personal growth, and healthier relationships. If this sounds up your alley, listen to Enneagram and Coffee on the iHeart app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts online. Our first sponsor today is Navy Hair Care. I have been working with Navy Hair Care since they launched back in 2018. At that time, I was about a year postpartum with our third child, and my hair was experiencing some trouble after some significant postpartum hair loss. Navy really helped to strengthen my hair, and I noticed a big difference about one to two months after using it regularly. With biotin, vitamins, and rosemary oil, this shampoo and conditioner combo has been part of my daily routine for years now. I also use the charcoal mask every one to two weeks to help revitalize my hair. It helps to dry out toxins, heavy metals, and impurities, which we have plenty of since we have well water. This mask will leave your hair feeling incredibly soft and lightweight. You can use the code Lindsay, L-Y-N-Z-Y, for 30% off your order, and I will leave the links to the products I mentioned within the show notes. Hello, everyone. Today, I will be chatting with Aaron Moore. Erin is a pediatric nurse practitioner, certified lactation counselor, and mom of two boys who are fed with breast milk and formula. She believes that moms should have an unbiased and non-judgmental support throughout their baby's entire feeding journey, even if it takes them to unexpected places. Her mission is to reduce mom guilt and support maternal mental health. Erin offers one-on-one virtual feeding consults and has a DIY combo feeding guide on her website that is linked within the show notes. In today's episode, we talk about erasing the stigma of having to feed your baby a certain way, how to introduce combination feeding, how to introduce formula, and so much more. Let's dive in. Just a little disclaimer before we start this episode, this podcast does not provide medical advice. The information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. No material on this site is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All right, everybody. Today we have Erin Moore. Erin, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So today we are going to talk about combination feeding. And so I would love for you to just start off by talking about what combination feeding is for those that might not be familiar and why it's such an important topic for new parents. Sure. So combination feeding is any way that you can combine breast milk and formula together. So a lot of families do different things to make it work, but it's so important because most families, regardless of their plans, end up using formula at some point in their baby's first year of life. So combination feeding is actually far more common, but really it's not talked about at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really not. And, you know, it's funny seeing the difference 
uh, 10 years ago when I had our first baby to now, because I feel like, I think it's, you know, in part to uh, social media and such that's trying to raise awareness. But when I had her, nobody talked about anything. They were just like, you need to breastfeed if you can, basically. And I remember having her and I've talked about this a lot, but it was a straight up nightmare for like four months. I was like, this is horrible. Breastfeeding to me was the worst. I see one of the worst things I've ever had to do. <laughs> with my first child because I was so incredibly clueless. I didn't even know who to go to because the nurse was, I think she was certified for lactation and she she helped me a little bit. But then it was like, okay, uh, here's 24 hours and now you have to go home and just try it. And thankfully I was- Do it yourself. Yeah. And thankfully I was able to find one of the nurse practitioners at my pediatric office was also certified lactation counselor, which was awesome because I could go in, get my baby checkup. And also she could teach me, you know, how to nurse. And the only yes. reason why I kept with it, honestly, was because of her, because I would have just quit. Like it was horrible. And our first baby had breast milk failure, breastfeeding failure, which what a name, right? For a first time mom. And they're like, oh, you have breastfeeding failure. I'm like, oh, because I don't already feel like a failure. Thank you so much for giving me a diagnosis with the word failure in it. And she was so jaundiced, was on a billy blanket. And I'm trying to nurse her with this billy blanket. I mean, it was just a nightmare. And so, you know, I think people talk a lot about the birthing process and how that can be difficult. I straight up think breastfeeding is like way harder. You know, it's it's so, so hard. And people talk so much about like, oh, just breastfeed your baby. And it's not that simple. And, you know, if you only understand one thing before you have your first child, it's like give yourself permission to just do what works for you and what makes you happy as a mom. Doesn't matter what it is, really, truly. Agreed. Like so much heavy weight is on like breast milk is the best thing. And I think we really, really, really need to stop with that because it gives, it puts so much pressure, right? So much pressure. And there's so much pressure on everything else. And we're not taking care of his mom's here. So, you know, in America, it's like so difficult. So what are, yeah, I just went on this tangent of like, (laughs) no, it's good. It's good. It's, It's important to talk about because it normalizes the conversation. We talk about how Breastfeeding is natural. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. People have been doing it forever. That's how we survive as evolutionary. That's how we've survived. And then we get to actually doing it and it doesn't feel like it's natural. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like we're doing it right, but we're told we have to breastfeed because this is what's best for our baby. And that makes moms feel like a failure because Mm -hmm. they're seeing that this is what we're supposed to do. This is what's best for our baby, but it's not working for me. Mm -hmm. And why isn't it working? And I think you touched on a really, really nice point, which is it all depends on the support that you have. because. A lot of it is not intuitive and it is a skill that we need to learn and that our baby needs to learn and it takes time and it's hard. Exactly. And sometimes sometimes it's super easy Mm -hmm. and sometimes everybody or everybody in the dyad is just doing great and they take to it, but that's really the exception to the rule Mm -hmm. from my experience. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, the word natural, so frustrating Mm -hmm. that word, but you know, the same can be applied to, oh, well, women forever have been giving birth and it's a natural thing that happens. And, oh, we could just give birth in the woods. Eh, you're wrong. What happened to women when they would 
give birth in the woods, in nature, and like not have access to medical care, right? Maternal mortality was astronomical before we were able to introduce the modern healthcare that has given us so many different like medications and procedures and things that help save the woman's life and the infant's life. And so we say that breastfeeding is natural, but do you have any idea what women in the 17 and 1800s, like what if they couldn't get that latch right? Oh, their baby died. That's what happened, you know, like, right. And if they didn't have access to anything else or, you know, they would have somebody do wet nursing, right? They'd find somebody else that was able to breastfeed, you know, it's not that it's natural. That's not like part of it. And I do think that you're right. Like that word, people saying something's natural, it makes you feel you're, you already have mom guilt before you've even become a mom, right? It's like, I'm like three days into this and I feel terrible about myself. The one thing I'm supposed to be able to do is breastfeed my baby and I can't do it. And so, yeah, it's like, it's just like you automatically feel like you've already failed. And that's where we really need to change the conversation because it's not true, you know? And there's so many different reasons why it might not work out for you. Or it might be that you're just pumping or whatever, you know, like everybody's going to have a different story. And that's part of your story with your child. Right. So what are some of the common challenges that you have seen parents face when it comes to making that decision to do a combination feed? Sure. So I think a lot of it varies by age. We see it a lot right in the beginning. So maybe mom's milk supply is not coming in as fast as we would like it to. And like you said before, then we're struggling with Billy Rubin and jaundice. And then we have to do something like triple feeding. So breastfeeding, then following with the bottle and pumping. So we're trying to increase the milk supply, have milk come in faster, but it's just very, very difficult. And most of the time when we're told to triple feed, there's not an end date. They don't tell us an end date. So you really have to have a provider that's giving you guidance because otherwise you end up doing it for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Now, during this period of time, a lot of babies end up being supplemented with formula, which is great because our goal is to feed our baby. And when our baby is hungry and they're not getting enough from the breast for whatever reason, we need to feed them. And that's what they need to do to sustain life. And if they don't, then we get into some serious trouble. But then you hear on social media saying, if you give formula in the first few days of life, it's sabotaging your breastfeeding journey forever. So then we hear all these different stories and somebody says one thing and you hear a different thing from your pediatric provider and then you see lactation and it says different and and social media says they're sabotaging your breastfeeding journey. And it's just really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel very strongly about this immediate postpartum period because there are so many challenges, but combination feeding does look different right at the beginning versus three months in versus mm-hmm. six months in or versus 10 months in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there are so many different circumstances in which you might need to combination feed. Like I remember just as an example, like when we had our first, because of the breastfeeding failure, I was given the, was it Similac? I think it was like just these samples of formula that the pediatrician office was given and they gave them to me and they handed it to me. And I felt like they were handing me this scarlet letter or something of like, here, you failed. Here's the, like, that's how society made me feel. And again, this was before I feel like social media was what it is today, which I feel like could go either way. I feel like 
If you are down the right rabbit hole, you could find support. However, if you're down the wrong rabbit hole and you're listening to people that have only said, you know, birth is natural and breastfeeding is natural, then you're going to feel like a complete failure. So it really depends on who you're allowing into your, you know, social media circle and who you're listening to. But I remember giving her that first, you know, bottle of formula while I was having all these issues and feeling such defeat crying hysterically, Mm. you know? And it's like, oh my gosh, like to think that people feel that way, right? Just because you're feeding your baby is so crazy. And some of these things are not forever and some of them are, and whichever, it's okay. It doesn't matter. Like some kids, you know, they have these allergies, milk allergy, whatever allergy, and some people will take out anything and everything. And you see these women all the time. Like they'll say, you know, I had a friend, she was like, I can't have X, Y, Z, A, B, C because my baby will have a reaction to it. And I'm like, you know, it's okay, right? Like, you know, it's okay (laughs) to do formula if you want to. You don't have to suffer this way. Like their diet is consists of like four foods because they're trying to feed their baby. And I just, I don't know. I hope that whoever's listening can feel like they have this permission to like you don't have to do that to feel like you're a good mom. Like you don't have to give up everything, right? You're, you've already given up so much and, you know, to like have to take everything out of your diet just because you're scared of giving your baby formula because of what, you know, society says. Agreed. It's crazy. It's cuckoo. <laughs> I always like to say that if breastfeeding is what you want and it's going great and your mental health is fine and your baby's thriving, that's amazing. That's great. Mm -hmm. If your mental health is suffering, if your baby is not gaining weight and we're doing all the things and it's still not improving, formula is great. That's designed and tested to make sure it promotes growth and development. And I just feel like having a mother who is happier or less anxious or doing okay and more present in baby's first year of life has to be more important than how the baby is fed Mm -hmm. as long as they're being fed in a proven way, which is either breastfeeding or formula feeding or both. Mm -hmm. Now, I think one of the most concerning things when you decide to, you know, supplement with formula is it's going to affect my supply. My supply is going to automatically decrease. So what do you, what do you say to those, those patients that you see? Yeah. So some people want to give as much breast milk as possible, which is great. So I always follow the guidelines for breastfeeding, which in the first few days of life, we want to make sure we're removing milk 10 to 12 times on demand, not just, um, not just every two to three hours, really, we're going to feed your baby on demand. And then if your baby is still seeming hungry after a feed, then that's when you offer a little bit of formula. But knowing that when you get those little nursettes, they're two ounces, and that Mm -hmm. is not a realistic amount that you need to supplement with. You're probably going to be supplementing or giving formula in less than half ounce increments. So so just because it's two ounces does not mean your baby needs two ounces. Mm There are better ways to combo feed, which is making sure we're still removing milk at equal intervals and often enough to stimulate the milk supply because milk supply is always going to be based on supply and demand. And then offering just smaller amounts of formula 
or figuring out where you can put it in the schedule, or if your baby is still seeming hungry after a feed, that's when we offer the formula. So it doesn't have to be something very strict. Mm -hmm. It's not that you have to give formula unless it's recommended by your pediatric provider. You have to give your formula in this way, but it's really finding a way that works for your family. And it can be difficult. It does sometimes require a little bit of guidance and, you know, being in tune with your baby's needs, but it's definitely an option. So that's where I think working with a pediatric provider or working with a lactation professional who has that kind of experience in maintaining milk supply is very important. So I think one of the most common situations, at least with my four kids, I came across this and, you know, my friends and I would talk about it. In that period when you start to introduce solid food and you're, oh, shoot, I feel like maybe my supply is a little bit affected, right? Because obviously you're introducing another food source. And in particular, all of our kids around like that six to seven month mark, I realized I just didn't have the milk for that nighttime feed. It was just like the yes. Sahara Desert. I don't know what happened. So I had to introduce. <laughs> I had to introduce formula. And again, with my first, I was petrified to do so. And then, of course, with my second, third, and fourth, I was like, who cares? <laughs> Let the yes. formula fly. So I guess what kind of advice would you give to a, a mother who is struggling with like trying to figure out if they need to add formula? Like what are some of the signs and cues from your baby, from your own breastfeeding journey that might be a cue that you might need to start the combination? Sure. Well, my supply decreased also. So I had this other, this issue with my, my first child which is why I'm doing what I'm doing because he did not gain any weight between four and six months. And I thought everything was going perfect in my mm -hmm. breastfeeding journey. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, everything's great. And and then I took him to get weighed at his six month visit and he did not gain, He I think he gained two ounces during two for two months. <laughs> and as a mom, it was absolutely horrible. And then as a medical provider and a lactation counselor, I was mortified. And I still didn't want to give formula. I was still feeling that guilt mm -hmm. and feeling that shame and like, what's wrong with my body? Why isn't this working out for me? It works out for everybody else. And it took me over a month to even offer formula mm -hmm. because I was struggling with it mentally, just so just like grasping that. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing because I want to share and say like, this is okay. And it can be really, really mentally freeing. And you're totally right. This period of time where solids are being introduced and we want, that's the point is we're trying to wean, but then also our milk supply is going down potentially because they're getting a lot of solids. It's just it's just very hard to navigate. Mm -hmm. So I would say if your baby is a really, really fantastic eater and you notice your milk supply, like your breasts aren't as full or you're pumping and you're not pumping as much as you usually did, your baby's eating really great, you know, more than a pouch or eating multiple times a day, two, three times a day, and you're mommy instinct says, hey, there's something going on with my milk supply or my baby doesn't seem satiated or seems frustrated or feeds are not as long anymore, I would recommend let's get some more information. Let's see a lactation provider. Let's get a weight at our pediatric provider before our next well check and see, are we gaining the necessary amount of weight? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I um, 
I just feel like it's just crazy that we put so much weight onto this. And and talking about it, it's like, I love that you went into this because of your, your issue. I feel like that's why so many mothers end up going into, you know, whatever they might do, um, like screaming from the rooftops is because of like the experiences that they have and they don't want other mothers yes. to, to have that same experience. I would love for you to touch on so one of my good friends, she, with her previous baby or the baby that she just had, she had some issues breastfeeding and ended up doing a lot of pumping and then administering the bottle, you know, via her husband or her. And I, I always think about how hard this must be. Like I never did this. And so I can only imagine because I would pump at work. Right. But I, I never had to pump and then also give the bottle. Like I can't imagine how hard that is. And then you have to wash all of the crap. Like, oh my gosh, all the yes. crap, all the crap. It's insane putting together all the pump parts. Yeah. This podcast is brought to you by AG1. AG1 is a daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I gave AG1 a try because I was striving for better gut health and hoping that along with my current exercise routine, it would give me a good energy boost. AG1 is a quick and easy way to get science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source nutrients on a daily basis. AG1 has the NSF certification. This certification was created for professional athletes and is the gold standard for clean ingredient nutrition. The certification process is exhaustive and involves testing and verification of each ingredient and every finished batch of AG1. If you want to check out the full ingredient list, you can head over to their website for more details. Perhaps my favorite part about AG1 is how they evolve with science. They cross-reference decades of established research with new clinical studies and biotechnology to bring you the best formulation possible. They already have 52 iterations of AG1 to this day, and they will always strive to be better. I drink AG1 in the morning after my workout with added protein. It's a great way to start the day and gives my body what it needs for fuel. Personally, I love AG1 for the gut optimization. As a busy mama four, I don't always have time to concentrate on getting everything I need nutritionally for great gut health, and this helps me stay balanced. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why they've been a partner for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash Lindsay, that's L-Y-N-Z-Y, for your free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs. That's drinkag1.com slash Lindsay, L-Y-N-Z-Y. So for those that have, you know, they've said, you know what, breastfeeding, not for me. I am over it. I don't want to try anymore. I've had so many issues and I'm just going to pump. And so for like those exclusive pumpers, I feel like it's like this lonely road for them because sometimes they don't know anybody that's had that journey. And so can you talk to them a little bit about maybe like some tips you might have or just anything, anything that you can tell them? Because I feel like that's, it's, it's gotta be so hard to do that and maintain your sanity. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I, I feel like exclusive pumping moms are angels on earth Mm -hmm. because it is so much work and it is like another job. It is complete dedication to, to their family and that journey. 
And I just commend them. It's harder than anybody would imagine. And it sounds so easy and it's so trivialized, like, oh, you're just pumping. That's mm-hmm. that's easy. But it's like, no, you're not. It's it's pumping. And it's way harder than breastfeeding. When you're breastfeeding, you right. get to just pick up your baby and feed them. When you're right. pumping, it's like, okay, sometimes you have to defrost the milk, you have to warm it up, you have to put it in the bottle, then you have to be like the convenience of breastfeeding is it's a real thing, right? The convenience right. is there. But when you're pumping, nothing is convenient about pulling out and washing pump parts like 15 times a day. <laughs> like none of that is convenient. Yeah. Your baby finally goes to bed and then you're like, oh, great. What do I get to do? I get to wash. I get to pump. You know, pump. <laughs> and then I get to wash all my pump parts and then I get to mm-hmm. sterilize them. Wow. This is so fun. I Yeah. I had nightmares, no lie. I had nightmares for months after I finished breastfeeding with my first about piled up pump parts. And, yeah. and I oh, yeah. wasn't even exclusively pumping. I was just pumping at my work. <laughs> and right. I'm like, oh my gosh. So finding a schedule that works for you, even if it's not exactly perfect, like exactly when your baby would be eating throughout the day, because usually the recommendation is, is if your baby is taking a bottle, that's when you pump. But I think we have to be realistic and being realistic probably means it's not going to be perfectly spread out by whatever period of time that your baby's eating. So really it's just finding something that works for you and then finding a pump that is really going to work for your lifestyle. So if you are sitting at a desk and it's and you're not doing meetings and it's easy to just like pump during your workday or pump at home, that's great. Then getting any one that you're plugged into the wall, totally fine. But it might be a lot nicer for you if you're not connected to an outlet or if you have something that goes inside your bra and that's a little bit more discreet. And when they say more discreet, it's not like super discreet, but um, mm-hmm. it is more discreet than, you know, having pumps hanging off your breasts. So really just finding your routine and then asking for help with pump parts. It is not a mom's job to wash all the bottles and the pump parts. Like, no, <laughs> if, if that's if that's something <laughs> that you're deciding as a family, anybody else can do that. You know, babysitters can do it, partners can do it. Just it's not a mom's job. Yeah, absolutely. So as we were talking, I was like, oh, I need to talk about this. I feel like once you've decided, okay, one of two things. One, you're going back to work in a couple of weeks and you're like, okay, I have to create my stash of milk. And then the other is, okay, you know what? My breastfeeding journey is over. It's totally over. I'm going to start pumping and I'm, I really want to like create a stash, right? So that you're not like pumping on demand because that's, I can't imagine that's Hard. crazy. So if, if you're deciding you want to do that and you want to increase your breast milk stash, what do you suggest? doing power pumping. I really think that that's one of the best options that we have. So power pumping is finding an hour, which is hard, an hour during the day where you can pump on and off for certain periods of time. Usually it's you do a pumping session and then you stop for about 10 to 15 minutes. Then you pump again for 10 to 15 minutes. Then you stop for 10 to 15 minutes. And then you pump again for 10 to 15 minutes. And what it does is it mimics cluster feeding. So that tells your brain that, 
hey, my baby is demanding more and then we need to start producing more. So after a few days of doing that, usually three to five days, you'd see an increase in your milk supply. That's a good way to get some extra milk and then just know that it's not necessarily that first time you're going to get an increase in milk. It might be the second day or the third day or even the fourth Mm -hmm. day. So if you're not seeing anything, that's not the goal. The goal Mm -hmm. is to increase and tell your brain to increase the amount of milk that's made over a few days. The alternate solution or thing that you can do is you can do a breastfeeding session or a pumping session and then have it be a little bit longer. So what it would look like is you breastfeed your baby. And then once they're done, you add a pumping session right after that. So doing that, usually it's like morning feed when your milk supply seems to be the most ample can help you get an extra ounce or two. So really anytime during the day that you can add in a pump that's convenient to you would help contribute toward a freezer stash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt like that was a stressful time too. When it was like, it okay, is. I'm going back to work, and of course, you know, our maternity leave sucks. So we go yes. back to yes. to work, you know, within six weeks or whatever. And so we're stressing out about that. And then at week four, we're like, shoot, I have to like create this freezer stash. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, crazy times. Can you speak to formula at all? Like formula brands? Like, are there is there anything like as a pediatric NP slash lactation counselor that you tell your patients that are considering adding in formula that you suggest? Like, is there a formula brand that's better than others? I feel like people stress about that. It, it is. It, it's really stressful trying to find the right formula, and. I had that too. I I really had a hard time figuring out what formula to buy and prices and what's the best and what's the closest to breast. And you know what I fell for is marketing because Mm -hmm. formula companies, they all have really nice marketing teams and it's nothing against formula, just they have really nice marketing teams. And, and so I saw this formula that they had a sample at my clinic and it's like closest to breast milk. And I'm like, Sold. Okay, that's what I'm going to start feeding mm-hmm. my baby without knowing anything about formula. So I, what I try to do in my business is empower parents to understand what is on a formula label. Like, why would you choose this formula over this formula? And the best formula is going to be different for every single family because families have different needs and different wants and different desires. So maybe one family really wants like everything needs to be non-GMO. That's great. Well, here, here's the list of formulas. Or somebody's like, I don't really care. My biggest concern is the cost. Well, maybe a generic mm-hmm. formula, which is totally fine. That's great for their family. Just know that anything that's sold on the shelves is FDA reviewed. And what that means is that it has a certain amount of nutrients and has been proven to promote growth and development. So formulas vary a little bit by brand, but every formula that you get for your baby, as long as it's FDA approved or FDA cleared, FDA reviewed, they will promote growth and development and are safe. So it's really, it's nuanced. It's mm-hmm. it's nuanced and that makes it a little bit hard because you see all the different labels and they say so, so much. And it's just like, oh my gosh, what do I choose? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And you don't need to add that to your list of stressors. It's like whatever you can find is I, I have used just about any formula brand I could find. Like, you know, in the first, my first child, we used some formula we had from the pediatrician. And then Mm -hmm. for my second and third, we would just go down to Stop and Shop and grab some formula. (laughs) Honestly, it was probably whatever was on sale. Right. And then with our fourth, we uh, tried, uh, gosh, what was it called? Bobby. We had tried Bobby formula. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, I have nothing to say about it. They were all fine. They all did what they needed to do, which was to make my baby not hungry. So <laughs> Right, right. And most babies you know. will do great on whatever formula they're on, but then there are babies that have more sensitive digestive systems mm-hmm. and then they might need to go to this like sensitive or gentle kind yep. of formula. And that's where all that's where the really big differences come in because when we hear the negativity, like these formulas have corn syrup in them, or did you see that this formula has sugar in them? And it's because the milk protein is broken down or lactose is removed as the uh, main carb source. And so they replace it with something else. And that's when things get a little bit like hairy and where you see all a lot of the negativity on social media. Mm-hmm. Or like the scary things. I've seen a couple like TikToks where they're like, did you see all these ingredients on this formula container? And it's like, no, there's there's reasons why all these ingredients are in there. They all serve a purpose. Nothing's just there just to be there. But when we don't know that, it's scary and overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And then we think we're feeding our baby. You know, people are people say this is poison. I've heard people say that. And I'm like, no, that's ignorance. It's mm-hmm. there's a reason. It's just we're not educated about that. And when your pediatric provider, you know, not bashing any pediatric provider because I'm one myself and and it's difficult and I didn't get a lot of education in this. But when you just say, like, just go and choose anything, it's totally fine. That's hard. It it doesn't give Mm -hmm. the parent guidance. And I think in return, that makes a parent feel like, oh my gosh, am I doing the best? Am I is this Mm -hmm. the best for my baby? I don't know. So yeah, it's just it's just a hard and tricky situation. What advice do you have for those that are making that journey of transitioning into doing more of a combination feeding or maybe just like a straight up formula feeding? Like what advice would you give them? So I think. Finding something that feels good for you and finding a routine that works for your family is so important. And and then not only that, but then giving yourself just so much grace because the first year of baby's life is so difficult. And I think we're told that motherhood needs to be magical and it needs to look this way. And then when life does not look that way. We're very, very hard on ourselves. So one of the big components of my of my business, of me being baby feeding coach, is tending to maternal mental health and how feeding affects mental health in mom. So and and in, in parents in general. So giving yourself grace, finding a schedule that works for your family, and then understanding what goes into formula what are the ingredients in the formula? And then finding one that you feel good about feeding your baby and that your baby does well on. Absolutely. All right. So is there anything that you wanted to mention that we didn't talk about when, you know, as it relates to combination feeding? I just always like to really, really hone in on the mental health piece. Like I was talking about before, in my opinion, 
the best way to feed your baby is the way that's working best for your family. And it looks different for every family. So when breastfeeding is best for one family, that doesn't necessarily, it's going to be best for your situation. And combo feeding might be something that's great. It might decrease a lot of your anxiety. That's what happened to me with my first and my second, because I knew I could relax a little bit because I knew my baby was getting a certain amount of calories and I didn't have to worry about, is he, am I transferring enough? Is my milk supply there? Is it not? Mm -hmm. Is, Mm -hmm. is he hungry? Is he not like he's taking this bottle? He's getting this formula. I know he's getting these calories and that makes my anxiety decrease so much. So that worked great for my family, but that might not be the thing that works for the next, next family. And maybe formula feeding is the best option and it's exclusive and that's great and you should do it and more power to you because i think that whatever society is telling us we have to do doing something that's not that is really hard whether that's exclusive breastfeeding or exclusive formula feeding because it goes both ways so i just want parents to know that feeding your baby in a way that feels good for you is best. And that also pertains to solids, which is something else I do in my business because some people want to use puree. Some people want to do baby led weaning and some people want to do somewhere in between. And that is totally fine too. Yes, absolutely. Totally agree. Okay. So two questions for you that are unrelated to our topic. So the first question is, and I know you just gave us advice, but specifically about combination feeding and formula feeding. So this is a piece of advice that you would give to moms, just like a generalized piece of advice. I feel like before you have your baby, so this would pertain to pregnant women, finding your support team, because we can't anticipate everything that is going to happen in your baby's first year of life. So you want to find a pediatric provider who you feel really good with and would support any way that you want to feed your baby. Find lactation professionals, talk to friends, find lactation professionals who would support any kind of feeding without any kind of judgment. So it's like finding your people who will support you and then feeling okay if you need to ask for help at any time in your baby's first year or even after that if if you need help ask for help it's just so it's just so hard and we feel like we have to do it all by ourselves but you are not alone so find your support system whoever that is and it might not be as obvious as one would think Yes, absolutely. All right. So your last question is, if you could feed your family with one meal that everyone would eat, that's relatively oh quick, gosh. what oh would gosh. it be? I know. <laughs> oh my God. I have, yeah, already a know, Lindsay. Already a know. I have a three and a half year old, almost four year old, and he eats like nothing. Fruit, fruit and air, fruit and air and crackers. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. His favorite food is hot dogs and like hot dogs. I don't know. They're just one of the foods that kind of repulse me. Um, <laughs> Why um, would that be? <laughs> I, oh man. Okay. Um, I, um, so I do lots of stir fries and I try to make things as easy as possible. So I get the 90 second quick heat quinoa and, and then I use Kevin's chicken, you know, like the, the stuff we get it at Costco. So whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I get veggies. 
just whatever frozen veggies. And then I make a quick stir fry and it takes less than 10 minutes. I leave the chicken kind of just bare for my three-year-old because he won't take any flavors. He loves quinoa. We pair it with fruit and then we'll give him a vegetable. And I've been doing that with baby led weaning with my um, almost eight month old. And it's very easy. And we all mm-hmm. eat. Oh, so, so mm-hmm. that's great. That's great. <laughs> do you have to separate it for your four year? Like, do you have to separate everything? Because so my, <laughs> our eight and six year old, every single thing needs to be separated. And this is something I was like, oh, they'll grow out of it. Nope, 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 nope. nope. It is like my worst nightmare because I can't combine anything, which makes cooking very difficult. <laughs> yes, I I definitely separate everything. I know you. Yeah. It's like you just serve it anyway, and that's great for my. Eight month old, he eats whatever's in front of him, yeah, which of is course, fabulous. Yeah. And that's how my that's how my first was too. And then of and course, so they hit like age two or three, and then it's all then downhill. It's like no, that's yucky. <laughs> and so no, I do I do modify just to make my life easier. So if I I don't put the sauce on until the very end, I separate broccoli out, and I'll put it on his plate. It's not like he's going to eat it, mm-hmm. but but I do hard carrots because that's what he likes. And yes. so I'm like, at least I'm getting in some kind of some kind of veggie, some kind of protein. Um, yes, it's hard. <laughs> I know. And you know what's interesting? And kids, no matter the age, they always prefer raw vegetables versus cooked. Yeah. It's None so of my kids like cooked vegetables. I'm like, what's up, what's going on here? You you want hard crunchy vegetables and not cooked vegetables. So like I just gave up and I just, all the vegetables I put on the table are like straight out of the bag and yep. not cooked. And I'm like, here, have at it. They love eating like the little mini peppers or like yes. cucumbers or, and I'm like, okay, well, I mean, that's fine. <laughs> you yeah, know? That's great. That's great. Because anytime you can get a food in, in any way, and it's easy for you, it doesn't like put you out. You don't have to prepare something else. That's great. So, so if your kids are only eating bad carrots. Awesome. <laughs> Whatever. Well, at least it's a yeah. carrot, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. I have like totally given up when it comes to food. Now I just cook what my husband and I want to eat and then I just like I'm like whatever. I don't I don't care. <laughs> yes. I, because I'm I, like trying to please four little children is oh my gosh. impossible. So I can't even imagine with four. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like it is with two, except for there's two more and they, right, you know, right. are very opinionated and still don't want to eat. So, well, right. my first will eat anything. I, I always see that. I don't know what happened with her or what I did. And I don't think it was anything I did, to be honest. So let's be clear. Anybody listening, like there's nothing specific you can do to make your yes. child eat. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just, it is what it is. It's so good for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Like she will literally try anything and she eats everything. And I'm like, I don't get it. What, what is so special about you? (laughs) Everybody else won't eat my food. Yes. Yeah. So who knows? But anyway, so thank you so much, Erin, for coming on the show and talking to us about this, this topic about formula feeding, combination feeding, breastfeeding, and just giving us that permission that we need to just say, you know what, we got to do what works for us and our mental health, um, which is so, so important. So thank you so much, Erin. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes on lindsayandco.com. To continue these important conversations, head over to Motherhood Meets Medicine on Instagram. Let me know what you learned from this episode and who you would love to hear from next. I always love getting feedback from you. If you're finding value in this podcast, 
please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. This will help us to reach even more women from around the world. I'll catch you next week. Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug, unwind, and have a little fun. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.